Coming up today on the show, we have a plethora of Disney news, and Jason and I have a trip report to go over. That's coming up today on Traveling with the Mouse. Welcome everybody to Traveling with the Mouse. This is episode 259 for March the 4th, Wednesday. My name is Adam, I'm hosting this week, and I am joined, as always, by John. You sounded like you had a lot of questions, like you weren't sure of yourself the way you said that. I'm hosting this week, I am Adam. Just trying to make sure I put the inflection (laughs) on strange parts so that it doesn't sound the same to everybody listening over and over again. Gotcha. So that was John, and I'm also joined by Jason. Good morning, everyone. Good evening, <laughs> everyone. Good afternoon. Was that right? Did I do it and right? And good Adam? night. And in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's right. Hello, everyone. Yeah, hello. Based on the timing of our recording, it probably will be tomorrow, well, Wednesday night by the time this gets released, but... Bear with us. Maybe. <laughs> and with the pace that the news is coming out, yeah. between the time we record this and the time it comes out, I'm sure there will be at least 10 more major Disney <laughs> stories right. that are going to occur. We yes. should just like consider going live on Twitter anytime there's breaking news. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Well, <laughs> just call in from wherever we are. The people want to yeah. know what we think. Right. They exactly. want to know what we think about inane Disney things. <laughs> We'd be live all the time right now, lately. Exactly. Right. Thanks for bearing with us. I mean, between now and when we when we release, (laughs) uh, Mickey's Minnie's Runaway Railway will be open. So that's going to happen between now and when we release. It's already open as as you're listening to this. It is already open and running or broken down many times. We'll see. I was going to say, I, I was going to mention right quick before you got into that, when you said the bearing with it, I, you mm-hmm. actually got quite a good bit of love from your country bear pictures I on did. Facebook. I did. So, I noticed. So. Yeah. Country bear is a gem. I, <laughs> it's a classic. I did give Adam a hard time when I first started getting into Disney, and I was like, why are we going to go watch this show? And now <laughs> I support Adam. We need to go watch the Country Bear Jamboree. It is great. Although I will say your son was not no. having it. He did not want to go see Country Bear Jamboree. And it was a lot of convincing. You know, your dad takes us to Disney World. He <laughs> rides all the rides you want to ride. Let's watch Country Bear Jamboree for him, okay? Uh, it took a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it, he fin- he reluctantly agreed and uh, ended up having a good time. Like, come on. Well, I gave, at the time, I said we had two options. We could go with Adam's choice, which is the Country Bear Jamboree, or we could go with my choice, which is the Tiki Room, and uh, <laughs> the Country Bear Jamboree won out. Gotcha. Yes. I mean, you know, the, the the plus to the Tiki Room is you can take a dollop in there. Sure. Mm-hmm. And Jason wears a Tiki Room hat. There you go. Yeah. I haven't found a Country Bear Jamboree hat, but they probably have them in Tokyo. My one acquisition on this trip from Disney World is I did pick up a Splash Mountain coffee mug, and I used it at work today. It was uh, very well received. 
everybody. Nice. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, cool. when I, I saw that when we were walking through the store, I was like, that looks really cool. The last and currently only, I guess, active, we'll say, Disney coffee mug that I have was a kind of a retro one. I got a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea around Christmas time. Ooh, so, yeah. That's a yeah. cool one. Uh, Jason's starting a collection of mugs, so. Mm. Yeah, I do have quite a few Disney mugs. I do have a good Haunted Mansion mug as well. To go with your collection of magic bands. You know, is there a theme? So those two mugs I just listed, there's a theme on those two mugs, by the way, in the news. Right, Haunted and Splash. So do you want to start with that then, since that's a great segue into the most recent news? Yeah, the theme is that they both broke down on Tuesday and are closed indefinitely. Maybe Splash will come back on uh, by the time you listen to this. But Haunted Mansion is supposed to be down for several days at least. Um, and this is just the, the latest in a string of what is being dubbed Disney Disaster Week, right? Yeah. Every, everything is going wrong. So we rode both of these attractions, and I'm assuming because of that, they have now decided to stop working. <laughs> Well, it wasn't anything we did. I'll put that out there just to clarify. It's just that Haunted Mansion just really doesn't like it when we ride it. It's it's been against us (laughs) for a very long time. I was going to say, I swear, I mean, I I heard Adam give derogatory comments about Haunted Mansion. I think that's, you know, motive right there for wanting to have it (laughs) shut down. When did I give derogatory comments towards Haunted Mansion? About a year ago, actually. Has it been that long? Not recently. Oh, wait. No, it's not quite. When was that? When was that run? You mean <laughs> I'm trying to remember June, now. Yeah. Beginning of June. June. Okay, there you go. <laughs> There's a derogatory picture out there, but anyway. When, when we did <laughs> ride Haunted Mansion this time, it did break down on us for extended periods of time. Yeah, uh, and just by like the it way, did on the challenge. Yeah, we were just past the portrait room actually when it broke down the first time, not before. So I had already taken my picture this time, but. It broke down at least three times. I stopped, but not not for long. But that happens a lot. Yeah. So for Haunted Mansion, I think it's just it's old. It needs some sort of refurb, but they don't ever want to take it down because it's so yeah, popular. Something major broke this time that they probably don't have a part for, and yeah. they gotta fix it. And so that's probably why that's down. And and Splash probably will be back up. But it's just kind of interesting that F- Splash went down so badly only like what four or five days after it reopened from a refurb so yeah i mean to me i think maybe there was something with the refurb that they should have given it an extra week but they didn't maybe i don't know i I didn't notice anything when we wrote it though except for the fact that it was a wall of water that hit us on the end of the drop yeah Um, you got got hit pretty hard with that that water (laughs) I felt like it was more so than normal. Well, they didn't have the jets where you didn't get hit when the, we were going past, going yeah, you know, in like the in the mountain. beginning of the ride, right? Yeah, because yeah. it was too chilly that day, I guess. So they spared us that one, but the big drop at the bottom, I it just felt like there was way more water than there used to be. But maybe it was just because it was a chillier day that I felt it more. I didn't see anything wrong with the ride. That is just the end of a pretty (laughs) eventful, would we say, week for Disney. Apparently still continues. Should we go back to where it began with the Jungle Cruise? Well, I mean, I think we know where it truly began. (laughs) Okay. The CEO announcement? (laughs) Yes. I guess we should start with that. Don't bury the lead. 
Yes. So this broke, what, like a day after we recorded last week? Yeah, it was like Tuesday afternoon at like 4.30 p.m. or something like that. Uh, Probably because they didn't want the stock price to drop immediately after announcing it. Well, that didn't work. Yeah, it did drop. (laughs) So the story is, you know, Bob Iger, longtime Disney CEO, who has tried to step down on many occasions before, apparently woke up one day and, as he says it, decided he didn't want to run the company anymore. Right. And handed the reins over to to Bob Chapek, and now Iger's going to be executive chairman and lead creative endeavors until the end of 2021. And the Dark Lord hath risen. Bob (laughs) Chapek has now assumed command and is asking for emperor-like controls over the reins of the entire Disney enterprise. The Senate is being dissolved as we speak. (laughs) So his order 66 is to kill all non-IMP attractions? I think, I mean, let's just point out, Haunted Mansion and Splash, down indefinitely. (laughs) I should point out that you just stole my tweet. I'm just saying. (laughs) Well, okay, to stay on your theme though, Adam, Haunted Mansion, down. Splash Mountain, evacuated. It does have Mm. some IP on it, uh, or it will soon. I guess I should say it will have an IP-related tie-in soon, but it doesn't yet. Jungle Cruise, boat sinks. People mover, no IP overlay. It has a crash this week. Non-IP attractions, since Chapek's taken over, down (laughs) the fall. They're just just kamikazing and suiciding themselves. Yeah. You know what's funny is this, all this happened almost immediately after Iger steps down and hands the reins to Chapek. It's almost like Bob is, uh, or Iger, I should say. I can't say Bob because they're both yeah, Bob's. Bob. It's almost like Iger is like a really good prankster or something. Like he handed him the reins and he's like, and he's like, right. he's like sitting back laughing like, ha ha, I cut that hole in the bottom of the boat. <laughs> right. I, I cut like that chain. Knew. You know, it's, like, it's almost like it's like, I really got you good. He you know, wanted his but, first week to be a disaster. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, that's what it's kind of seemed like. Him, I guess, like I don't understand. I, well, I'm just saying, being like practical Joker, that's what it almost seems like because so many things happened right there. The whole thing when Jason was talking about him, how he tried to step down several times, it's happened what over the last probably five, six years when they first, mm-hmm. you At know, least, had, yeah. he had talked about stepping down or tried to step down. Yeah, and they were, always had some reason to have him to stay on. Yeah, and it's just the time I guess was he was like. I can do this now because I have nothing else left to do, really, I guess. It is weird, though, that he steps down during the time period when all this right here happens, like not long after the, the stock tanks, they have the coronavirus threatening by closing parks worldwide. The nation part's not out of the question because they have a confirmed case in the Orlando area, last time I saw. Mm-hmm. He steps down right before everything goes down the tubes, right, right. is what you're saying. Yeah. And, yeah, basically that. Maybe and, he saw the writing on the wall. And there's also talk, though, about them maybe not being quite as prepared for the 50th as what it might seem like. Like, they could be really struggling to get things situated in time across the board and functioning properly across the board. They might even be in over their head spending-wise, for all I know, and maybe he wanted to get out from under that. <laughs> there might be something maybe. we haven't seen yet, so... This has got to be a down year for the box office, too, because last year was, like, their best year ever. This year's, I don't think, as much is going to come out that's going to even come close to last year, probably, I wouldn't think. Yeah, and I think I think he stepped down because he 
Solid. Did this is the time heart. to get out on top. Right. Go out on a high note. The other thing to notice, he's not gone. They've done the same thing with Chapik. They apparently did when Iger stepped in. And Chapik's on a fairly short contract, right? On like a three-year deal. And he has still got Iger as executive chairman. So Iger's not gone, gone. Yeah. They kind of got like Chapik on the CEO training wheels plan. The kind of like... <laughs> That's what it sounds like, yeah. Let's see if you can do this. But yeah, it's not been well received by the the fan community. Chapik is not well loved. Well, no. John, you've railed against him on this pod. Do you have anything to say about him? Well, I have always criticized his love for just throwing IP on everything. Seems like even if, even if it doesn't make sense in a lot of cases, just because it's their IP, pretty much. So I, I have been pretty heavily critical of that. So I am willing to give the guy a chance. I mean, I'm gonna I'm in a kind of wait and see mode to see how this this goes. But his track record, I just don't like the way he thinks when it comes to how the park should be handled. Maybe that's going to be a good thing that is away from parks. Right. Yeah, I think there's a silver lining potentially here. But the the thing I don't like is seems like under his reign, there has been cutbacks on quality, cutbacks on the cast. For example, the citizens of Hollywood, you know, stuff like that, they've been cut back. The quality, there's more complaints about that than ever under his sort of leadership there. So it's more about the bottom line than it is the guest experience. That's how I feel about how he's handled things. So I don't like that about it. But on the flip side, you know, Pete from the Diz, I'll give him the credit because he said that about Josh DeMauro, who is a very... Uh, well-liked rising star in the organization could very well move into the role that Chapik had and could be like head of all the you know parks and resorts and worldwide that would be really good because he's president of Disney World I think things have already turned around to some extent he's only been on the job a few months but if he could take over that role, I would look forward to that because just think of it from the D23 perspective of announcing new things coming to the parks. Chapik is like, you know, no personality versus Josh tomorrow who is very likable personality. I think that would be a, a change that I would well, love to see. Depending on how the coronavirus spreads, he might be in charge of all parks if they shut down <laughs> Paris <laughs> and Disneyland as yeah, well, for, you know, and Disney World's world. the only one left standing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. Well, another, from what I said a minute ago about them possibly being in over their heads financially, right, at the moment, right? I mean, we've seen a couple of signs that this could be the case. I mean, the hours are not as long as they were, say, a year ago or even in past years in this time frame. You mentioned the cutbacks on cast members in certain areas where they're we're trying to cut things out and there's a yeah. rumor here recently about them wanting to cut out free bread service or bread service and table sir at table right service restaurants yeah, i saw that today so, yeah. yeah i mean cuts 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 that's that is chapik's um whether he is fully responsible or not that's what he's known for is cutting back guest experience stuff and saving money for the company yeah. you're talking about cutbacks Right. I just want to point out for everyone's sake that the start of spring break is basically at the end of this week, right? The first spring breaks start happening. Yeah. This Saturday, March, yeah. 
March the 7th. We are recording this on a Tuesday night before March the 7th. The current hours that are scheduled for Magic Kingdom Park are 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Right. It's ridiculous. A 12-hour day. Right. We were listening, or I, I don't know, I maybe you guys listen to the Disney Dish. Somebody asked this question. Is this the shortest it's ever been during spring break? Yes. In 2015, I believe it was, Magic Kingdom was open from, I believe, either 8 or 9 a.m. till midnight with extra magic hours till 3 a.m. on the first Saturday of March. Oh. Yeah. They're clearly and trying I, to cut back. I have a theory. I don't know so much with Magic Kingdom because I don't know what we'd be doing, but I think my I have a theory that it is partially for money, but it's also to give them time to work on the things they need to get ready for the 50th, perhaps. I mean, I know they've got a good bit of time. I don't know what all they would be doing at Magic Kingdom, but they would need that much time, though, other than Tron, but Tron seems to be coming along just fine. It's just odd that it was the first or second Saturday of March that Adam and I ran the parkeology challenge for our first time last year. Mm-hmm. And we did so because it was a 15 hour day. I'm looking at the hours right now and I'm looking to see if I see a single 15 hour day without after hours or paid events. And I don't think I see one right now. It's just yeah. not, it's not there. You know, it's another possibility is they might be leaving it open to increase the number of paid events. Well, if they were going to have a paid event this Saturday, they would have announced it by now. True. For this Saturday. The closest we're going to get is March 25th. Okay, March 25th is actually going to have a decent hour. Hollywood Studios will open at 8 because, you know, nobody wants to go to Hollywood Studios, so why open at 7? Let's open it at 8. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. t- it's boarding groups gone within 30 seconds every day. But anyways, that's that's for a later story. Yeah. So it opens at 8, and then Magic Kingdom closes at 10 with extra magic hours to midnight. So there you go. There is a 16-hour day. That is your choice in the month of March if you would like to go for a you know more traditional long Disney day during yeah. a busy time of the year. Otherwise, it's closing at 9 or 10 p.m. every night. And if you want to stay past 10, guess what? You've got to pay for after hours or villains after hours or you're just SOL because they aren't open. Go to Disney Springs is your only choice. Also, Chapek, just to throw this in here, is also known for being around when the multiple price increases per year. The parking fees at the resorts, which hadn't happened since day one in 1971, all of a sudden now we're going to charge for parking 47 years later. So, um, yeah, not a lot of great guest experience stuff under his leadership, to say the least. So I'm not loving the fact that he's going to be CEO, but if somebody else can take the role he had and maybe do better with it, you know, maybe there's a silver lining. And coming soon to a theme park near you, paid fast pass. Yeah, right. That could. You're right. I mean, that might very anything that would be more money. It's it's very likely under him. I would think. You know what's going to happen now that the haunted mansion's down is he's going to add Eddie Murphy animatronic oh. to. Uh, if he does haunted that, mansion. I'll personally ask for his head on a platter. <laughs> 
for the very uh, successful was it 2002 film or something like that uh haunted mansion with Eddie uh, murphy yes <laughs> so it's, it did so well that the yeah Can't you know whenever that movie was first out they really did talk about changing what's her name jennifer gosh what's her last name the one that played Madame Leota in the in the film. Anyway, they actually talked about changing out Madame Leota to be her. So, 2003, yeah. by the way. It was off by a year. Yeah. Oh, really? Same year as the first Pirates? That's unusual. I thought it'd at least be... You know, the film did make $180 million worldwide. Yeah. Like a change. It did make a profit on, like, Call of the Wild did. <laughs> so, I'll put it that way. Well, Call of the Wild just started, you know. Eh, it's not going to turn a profit. It's setting up for failure, but, you know... But it wasn't as successful as, say, Pirates. Harrison Ford doesn't care. He probably got a huge contract. <laughs> still. like I still appreciate that take I read back when they first had the previews. How is it not going to be successful? It's Harrison Ford going on great adventures with a furry animal. Han Solo. The Star Wars story. Sure. It's just, he just <laughs> This is the movie where he realizes that Star Wars was just him on an acid trip. Thinking... That he, oh. that he was actually just running around <laughs> with his dog. I've seen in the previews of that of that film, The Call of the Wild. There's a lot of scenes and moments when the way he looks or turns or his appearance in there is actually looks a lot like uh, my wife's dad <laughs> was. Really? He passed away about five years ago, but he he and uh, Harrison Ford in this movie look like very much alike. Hmm. <laughs> yes, interesting. Well, speaking of Harrison Ford and you know what he's known for uh, other than Han Solo, Indiana Jones. Did we talk about last week that Spielberg was out as director? I don't remember if that broke. I don't think we had the opportunity at that point, no. So, well, no, that happened after Chapin's over. Yeah. <laughs> right. Again, it was so. almost immediately after. He's like, I'm out. So who's worse, <laughs> Chap- who's worse Chapik or Kathleen Kennedy <laughs> at Lucasfilm? Uh I think they are on the same page. I think they share a brain. <laughs> it seems like it. But, I mean, again, Ch- Kathleen Kennedy may not be completely responsible for all the things, but I imagine she's pretty heavily involved in uh, all the not-so-great things that have happened with Star <laughs> Wars, especially over the last five years. But Since you mentioned Star Wars, it's kind of funny. You know, the Star Wars universe, they don't really agree on a whole lot, if you think about it. I mean, like they, they argue... About yeah. what's good and what isn't. Like it has their, like the, the prequels have their fan base. The old, you know, the old had their fan base. Mm-hmm. Clone, new I, movie. Except for I think I think one of the things they agree on is everybody hates the movie The Clone Wars. Yeah. <laughs> and the most recent you know, movie is atrocious. Sorry. Right. Hey, I thought you softened <laughs> on it after your second viewing. That's what you said. Uh, I but, softened on the fact that it can be enjoyable up until the very very end when you groan at the uh the kiss yeah the um the mandalorian it's like the only thing that universally star wars fans can agree on since like i don't know return of the jedi um, or maybe even far it may be even as far back as empire maybe <laughs> yeah. i mean but it seems like the only thing that like universally brings star wars fans together it's like there's not many things that do right well, speaking of Star Wars, did you guys hear the um, confirmation that Palpatine was a indeed a clone? It wasn't yeah. the original Palpatine, or I don't know which how you say it, but the Palpatine that was well, thrown down the shaft by Vader it was I, a clone of Palpatine. 
Right. I can appreciate that they at least said it wasn't the same person. So basically, Palpatine. Wait, which evil one's the spirit. clone? The one that Vader killed, or the one we see? The one we see season? in the movie. The clone body of in, Palpatine. Yeah. In uh, what was the but name like, of this last it's one? Is the same Force <laughs> essence or something? Yeah. It seems like they something took like his that. essence, <laughs> and I guess they made some he, Snokes. And they like this didn't work, so let's try to get back to what Palpatine looked like. I don't know. Like they threw some Snokes in a jar, and well, that didn't work. Let's stuff this one in a jar. Yeah, it's so, kind of like so, the Terminator. So if his essence can last when the body dies, is he actually dead at the end of the movie? That's what I was thinking too. I thought that the first time I saw the movie, I was like, "Well, how do you know he's dead now if he survived all this well, time?" Like, as as Luke said, that? nobody's really gone. Right. Yeah. So. Well, he was killed with two lightsabers. Oh, that's right. Instead of one. So there you go. That yeah, did it. Was two. Instead of a shaft. So apparently, yeah, that that's that was the news. He, Ian McDermott said that his um, there was a line that was cut from the movie where he said he was talking to Kylo Ren that was um, in the beginning of the movie that he is. What was it? A clone? More than a clone? Less than a man or something like that? <laughs> so he was like in between a clone and a man? I don't know. Whatever that means. All I can say is if they've learned anything from this lesson is you have the same writer at least, so there is com- some coherency. Having a different director, that's fine. But having the same people write the story yeah, actually helps, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, go figure. <laughs> Well, so we, anyway, we started on the, the world, the Disney disaster week, right? So we started there with, yeah. you know, Chapik taking the helm. But did we list everything? I sort of listed them offhand, but I just want to list right, yeah, let's, real quick let's everything that I think that, that, that lands on Disney disaster week. Number one, Chapik takes the realm. <laughs> yeah. Very next morning, there's a glitch in the My Disney Experience app that allows anybody, whether they are at the park or not, to secure boarding groups at Star Wars Rise of yeah. the Resistance. Right. So yeah. <clears throat> protest, who knows? I don't know. A glitch, quote unquote, happens. Not too right. long after this, we learn that there is a boat on the Jungle Cruise <laughs> that sinks. That's like, yeah. the, the boat, and now it's not very deep water. Nobody is injured, thankfully. I would right. have given a lot to be on that boat because that would have been great. And I hope the skippers <laughs> kept the jokes going. And I hope they're making jokes about it now. But yes. That would be the crazy. boat sinks in the Jungle Cruise. Not too long after this, the next day or next morning, two trains on the People Mover crash. Yep. There's also heavy police presence outside the Yacht and Beach Club the night before. Unclear yes. what that was all about. Apparently a false alarm, but of course, you know, that's what they've told us. We don't know. Everything I've seen suggests that someone thought they saw someone with a gun, and they were wrong. So... That's the official report. Yeah. Yep. So we have we have all of that. Then everything seems like it might be starting to go back to normal. And now we have uh, Haunted Mansion down. And we have Splash Mountain potentially down. At least Haunted Mansion down for a few days and Splash Mountain. Did I miss anything? Was there any other, quote, disasters this week? Uh, Call of the Wild. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was also bad. <laughs> well, the stock is also cratering, but that's not unique to Disney. Every stock is cratering. It turns out, you know, coronavirus is going to have a big effect. 
Disney uh, actually took a turn prior to <laughs> everything else. It, <laughs> it was took a turn to almost immediately. The announcement of Bob, yeah, <laughs> of Iger going it out. It really did. If you look at the like the graph, yeah, I looked like, at it. It started going down a few days before the announcement, actually, but it really went down after that. I mean, that's because investors get wind of this stuff before it actually is officially announced. Probably, yeah. It looked like a couple of days ahead of time. It started to go down, yeah. so somebody caught wind of it, but. So it's just been one right after another. What's going to happen tomorrow? Who knows? I will say back on the hours thing, I did. I was standing, you know, uh, around waiting on a bathroom break while we were there. And I was chatting with a cast member. It's like, it's been pretty busy. They're like, yeah, it's been pretty crazy. And I said, wish they would extend the hours, you know, spread the crowds out a little bit. They're like, yeah, we all think the exact same thing. That's like Chapik. Am I right? And I got just sort of like a grimace and a knowing nod. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. No names. <laughs> yeah, of course, they're like, I don't know if you're on a podcast or not, so I'm not going to say anything. I'll... Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I'll regret. Right. Because yeah. everyone's a vlogger or a podcaster these days. But Right. Yes, they are. There was somebody in front of me on Rise of the Resistance that was vlogging their experience in the queue and... They're probably like one of our listeners, but at whatever. They were vlogging their experience in the queue, you know, documenting what you see in the queue of Rise of the Resistance, you know, like it's a brand new ride and all this. And I'm thinking, number one, this is a pretty old, like, like it's been out a few months. There's plenty of like ride experience videos. Yeah, um, right. But I, I talked to the guy, I, you know, I encourage him. But my funniest part was your son, Adam, because you weren't in the line, looks over at my wife and says, is that guy ever going to shut up? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's funny. See, I'm the type that if I take, I like taking video, but I don't like give a narration while it's going on. Not very loudly um, with your voice projected and your sunglasses on. I don't on do it at all. Caves. Oh, right. Lord. I, yeah. I can imagine some people could get really annoyed if they're next to, say, Justin Scard um, when he's doing his You know his what's surprising about games, him, but. though, is I watched him that day that I met him, and he was mm -hmm. surprisingly quiet. Like, he talks directly into the microphone. And, now again, I don't, I've only saw him that one time actually recording stuff, but I couldn't hear what he was saying. But then when I look back on the video, I'm like, dang, he sounds so loud and clear. But I couldn't well, hear what he was saying. you just get a good saying. microphone. I mean, the yeah. people who are always projecting, this guy just had just had a, a iPhone with a standard mic. You get a directional mic that, you know, windscreen and all that yeah. jazz, it, it works yeah. better. So the more professional, and again, I think his video, I like Justin's card quite a bit. I think he's a good a pro. I don't think he's too distracting. Now, he does do some stuff that, you know, annoy, to annoy his friends, it seems like. <laughs> That might yeah, be I was gonna say. I, I thought of, I thought of Smuggler's Run video whenever he was getting all hysterical sounding or everything in there. Yeah. So I who knows? He, he might, have, he might, you know, bother a but, few people. But I thought it was surprisingly quiet how well he moved around and. I enjoy his humor. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Some that some of it some people wouldn't get. <laughs> right. Which, yeah, a lot of they're older. Right. We'll say. Yeah, a lot of the stuff he likes, I like the same thing. So we're very similar. Or maybe maybe I shouldn't say older. I should say familiar with a certain generation. Let's yeah, that that's what I, that's a good way to say it. 
Yeah. Um, I was going to say, when you were mentioning all the things that were going bad this week, I couldn't help but think it just, it just kind of struck me that the Jungle Cruise boat sinking was kind of like foreshadowing almost of what's happening overall. <laughs> the boat is sinking. Yeah. Oh, um, like at a, the moment, the company itself. Kind of like, uh, yeah, it's, it's as if Ryan Johnson's directing this, you know? So. <laughs> He's foreshadowing something. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Flying through a hologram of a sunken boat. <laughs> Are we in the depressing part? Do you want me to add, just pile on? Is that what you want? Oh, I was going to talk about a positive really quick, maybe. Oh, oh, okay. Well, let me get my one last negative one in. This is just my last dig at JPEG. You know, I was talking about the low park hours, but, you know, occasionally you get extra magic hours. I went to extra magic hours at Hollywood Studios this week. Uh, nighttime magic hours after you had left Adam. And, you know, you go to these extra magic hours with the anticipation of, I can be there with fewer crowds, only the resort guests, and ride some of my favorite attractions. However, at Hollywood Studios, not only will Rise of the Resistance not be available during extra magic hours, neither will Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. So... So what's the point? (laughs) Why do it? (laughs) First they said, oh, they're going to do the extra evening hours instead of morning and then they're the two biggest attractions that people would want to attend to four they just totally take away yeah so well i guess they know that every single resort guest would be at hollywood studios if those two were available so what what good would it do i don't know if they were trying to find ways to reduce the uh, amount of people that go to the parks this actually might not be a bad idea i think eventually over time it will start to work (laughs) yeah why don't you just close all the big rides and uh, people will stop coming? Yeah. Yeah, just close them. Like it'll definitely feel emptier. Yeah. It'll feel sadder, too, but, you know. Yeah. Your park admission only guarantees you to walk around the park and the privilege to spend money at our award-winning restaurants and bars. Yeah. Preferably mm-hmm. the if bars. Would, if you would like so you to ride s- a ride, that would be an extra admission, and yeah. you get a three-hour window in which to ride rides. If you would like to ride in the next three hours, that will be an additional fee. I'm going to say go to our bars where you can spend twice the amount on alcohol that you would just outside the doors, outside of the gates. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or anywhere else, pretty much. Yeah. All right. So positivity. Let's go to positivity. Well, it's Uh, something I don't, maybe it's positive, maybe it's not, but I haven't heard anything out of Test Track this week. Has it not gone down a lot? (laughs) Did they fix it? Do they talk about Test Track when it goes down? That's that much anymore? I mean, well, I mean, a lot of times you'll notice that. Oh, I think it's kind of an old subject. I think they've just said, you know, it's been twenty years. It's probably never going to get fixed. Seemed like it's been running well, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But well, it's just one of those things. You know, you say your head's hurting, and so then someone just punches you in the gut, and you're like, "Why'd you do that?" And you're like, "Well, at least your head's not hurting anymore." (laughs) Yeah. All right, well, there you have it. It reminds me of that episode of House whenever he was trying to kick the uh, the the pain pill addiction by himself, and then he broke his hand in order to, <laughs> so his leg wouldn't hurt. Uh, like, he focused on his hand. You don't remember that? He smashed his hand with a yes, hammer. I do. Well, okay. I don't remember that episode specifically, but I did watch all those episodes, so I'm sure I saw it. Well, saw it, yeah. It's, it's not exactly the positive spin I was trying to get out of <laughs> 
Here's my positive spin on Test Track is we rode it and it is smoother. I think it's a better ride now and I enjoyed it. I rode it three times on our trip. Well, the time I rode it, I will say the audio wasn't working, but the ride was smooth. It felt smooth to me. I thought I could notice the difference. Hmm. When you say the audio, like the voice part or all of it? Any of the voice or I don't remember much of music. It was very quiet going through the... The the sound effects were working, like the truck sound effect was working. And the brake sound effects and stuff. See, it would still be hard for me because I just prefer the old version in general. Yes. I prefer... Just, that's just Did you forget weird. to turn off those robots? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. I liked it better. Even this, I think that the it sounded like a car then. I don't think it even sounds like a car now. <laughs> whenever, whenever the, it's moving. So, I mean, that's just me. The thing, like I mentioned to Jason though, is at the end, I was like, was it jerky when it went back into the tunnel, like after the high speed loop? So, well, not as bad. No, not as bad. Yeah, it still does the. <laughs> the braking. I mean, it's got to slow down, yeah. Yeah, but it's not nearly as rough as it as I remember it being the last time I rode it, so before the refurb. I had a minivan driver this weekend, and we were chatting about Test Track and its reliability issues, and the driver made a claim that maybe you guys already do, but I had not heard, and that is that Test Track takes so much power like anytime there's rain, it has to shut down because there is so much power going to that ride that the amount of power it takes to run Test Track is the same as it takes to run half of Magic Kingdom. Hmm. That was the claim that was made by my minivan driver. I find that hard to believe. I don't think that has anything to do with the rain. I think it has to do with it's not fun potentially being struck by lightning uh, <laughs> on the track or having rain stinging you in your face at 65 miles an hour. I think that's the real reason behind them shutting down during rain, but that's just me. If that's verified or if my or if my minivan driver is full of crap. <laughs> uh, I I feel like there are some cast members that purposely float this stuff out there. Uh, well, as long as it wasn't the same cast member that told me that Walt used to fly into the stall port on his plane. Right. <laughs> I feel like they just throw stuff out there on purpose. Totally. We had one tell... Totally wrong. No, I've had, I've had a bus driver one time tell us... A believable story. It could be true. I've always heard that it was, but that they originally built, uh, started building uh, Pleasure Island because they thought that gambling was going to be legalized on floating barges in Florida at the time, mm. and it never happened. Which, I, you know, it's feasible. I don't know if that's true or not, but, you know, yeah. they still ended up using it as like a nightclub area. Right, right. But, so I don't know. That's an interesting thought. It might. I'm sure it takes a lot of power to run that ride anyway. But I don't know if it takes as much as half of Magic Kingdom. It's, I'm sure that's plausible. Yeah. I, 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 I got to be honest, though. Over the years, I've heard more inaccurate information from the day-to-day cast members than I have accurate. So that's just where I'll lay that. Sorry, cast members, if, you're, if there's some listening that enjoy this show. But that's just my experience. A lot of the stuff that I heard turned out to not be true or outlandish. So it, maybe y'all are doing it on purpose. Maybe you're coached to do that. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? All right. Is there any other topics that we want to cover before we... I had one more. Spaceship Earth is closing on May 26th. And there's hope that maybe that means that's when Remy's Ratatouille Adventure will open. Right. I think, it's the... all but, I think it's all but guaranteed, personally. That's my thoughts, but... 
Yeah, it doesn't look like they're going to go, or at least the rumors are, they're not going to do the massive gutting they were saying because this needs to be reopened for next year. But they did show that they're going to add some like projections and things like that to some of the scenes. Yeah. And that the thing is, is it's going to be focus on storytelling, right? That's going to be the, the theme is storytelling. I've kind of gathered a lot of the same information you're talking about just recently. My thoughts on Spaceship Earth is that they had much bigger plans. Two reasons that, they, that they're not going to happen, at least for now, is they want to make sure it's open. They want to at least attempt, I'm still going to be cutting it close, attempt to make sure that it's open for the 50th. And I feel like that there is a budget that they're making almost Eisner-like slashes to original ideas. And not that I know Eisner actually dreamed big, but he always had to reel things back in and try to to make it more manageable money wise. But I feel like that they really are having to make some of these changes, not as big a changes because of money, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just wondering, what's the point of going into the front entrance of Epcot starting in May 26th? Um, Yeah, there, there might be an issue of transportation on the world showcase side. It's like you'll have to go halfway to through the park to get to a a ride now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause think if you think about it, you enter in through the international gateway and you can still get to most everything on the, you know, just behind spaceship earth, basically relatively easy. I mean, if they close spaceship earth and open Ratatouille, you will be able to get to a ride much faster from the international gateway than you can from the front entrance. Right. Right. Cause you'll, and I imagine they'll block off anything in front of Spaceship Earth while they're working on it. So you'll walk in the park and immediately have to go left or right and go well, all you, the way you'll around. You'll have to go around. You'll you'll have a small narrow area or, or a more narrow area there, but they'll yeah. just have to go around where the queue is, I'm sure. So it's going to narrow that section. Maybe this year's Food and Wine Festival will have will have booths all around the base of the Spaceship Earth uh area you know we'll just have food and wine at the base of spaceship earth might as well this would also mean the attraction closest to the front is actually nemo right and that yeah probably the closest one to get to i guess i think they were joking on the disney dish where uh, testa was about like maybe setting up a monorail station that's like halfway or something like right there at world showcase (laughs) and maybe a temporary one (laughs) (laughs) drop people down on uh Ropes. (laughs) Ropes. <laughs> they could build it. Yeah. I was going to mention right quick the story I saw about Bob Gurr being on uh, Pawn Stars. Uh, yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. Apparently, he has an original sky bucket there, so he was asking for like five grand, and they said the best they could do is 500 So that's a joke. Uh-huh. They always... <laughs> they always lowball the... Uh... <laughs> yes. They don't know exactly what he's doing on the show, but it looks like it has something to do with one of the original sky buckets. Yeah, it seemed like they brought information him in to talk about it more than anything, yeah. seems like. Maybe some other things, but we'll see. Or actually, I probably won't see. <laughs> I'll watch. I'll try to watch it. I'll find it some yeah. somewhere, hopefully, because well, I'll, be, I'll be interested to watch that. So let's talk about our trip report. Obviously, we were there for the media preview of Mickey right, and yeah. Railway. That's we got there. We forgot our credentials. So. Yeah. I see. I see tend to do that a lot lately you know we got to do some other stuff so 
Maybe we'll get the invite for Remy's. Yeah. So what did we do? What You got there before I did, and you left after I did. I did. So I guess I will start. So I did arrive the evening before you did, so I got up uh, on Saturday morning and decided to spend the morning at Epcot. Saturday. So that would have been... I mean, sorry, Friday morning. Yeah. I can't keep track of the days. Today feels like a Monday to me because we came back on a Monday. So Friday morning, I got up and went to Epcot Rope Drop Uh uh, and Rope Dropped Test Track. That was the official reopening day of Test Track, although it had soft opened for several days before that. So we did Test Track. I did go do uh, Frozen and we did... Ate at Kringle, you know, Kringla, how do you, however you say that, cafe. And then we went back and did Test Track again and Mission Space. So did several attractions at Epcot. It was not too bad at Epcot. Strolled around World Showcase, watched a few shows, watched Canada far and wide, which I thought was excellent. Um, It was a great show. Hmm. My wife got a little disconcerted by the fact that you're standing on the floor and, you know, the picture sort of moves like you're flying around and so what you're feeling doesn't match what you're looking at which can cause a bit of motion sickness so that affected her a little bit but otherwise we thought it was it was fantastic as far as lunch i ate at regal eagle smokehouse Um, i know you got to eat at it the next day but i will give my opening review and maybe you can chime in with what you thought adam yeah i got my i got the the platter to try everything. I got the ribs, the uh, pulled pork, and the brisket. The pulled pork is the best of those three, in my opinion. Would you agree with that? I think you got the yeah. same three meats on yours. Yeah, I agree. I thought the pulled pork was... The ribs were really good, too, though. And I didn't hate the brisket, so... The brisket was All too good. fatty for me. Um, I like fatty a brisket. Bit, yeah, it was a bit too... Once you've eaten brisket in Texas, you you really can't eat it anywhere else. We had that. I had uh, macaroni and cheeses aside. I tried the baked beans, which were not that good in my opinion. I agree. The macaroni and cheese. The macaroni and cheese was fine. Let's see. And I had some onion rings because uh, my son told me he was going to eat onion rings and baked beans, and of course he ate neither of those things. Right. Um, <laughs> Kids. My yeah. My wife, on the other hand, ordered the jackfruit. Uh, barbecue and of all the things i've tasted at regal eagle smokehouse that was my favorite wow interesting it was really really good like in is it like vegetarian entirely barbecue in that case or is it yes, just it, like- it is a it is a vegan barbecue sandwich well, I th- wasn't it i thought it was a like a impossible burger with jackfruit on top or was it just right. the jackfruit yeah it's, it's like an impossible burger with jackfruit barbecue on top. on top yeah okay yeah but it's a it's a, it's a vegan patty so it's a vegan barbecue sandwich and right. i thought it was quite tasty that sounds really really good yeah i wanted to try that but of course i wanted to also try all the meat so next time maybe i'll try the that one you just couldn't get away from the meat <laughs> i do well i My, wanted i knew right. the baked beans weren't going to be as good but i just wanted to try them anyway and agree the baked beans need to change that's the the only thing that I thought really was subpar, everything else was pretty good. Even the bread that they give you is really good. Although I don't know if they'll charge extra for that now, but um, <laughs> it was included on the meal. Chapey uh, joke. Yeah. But the thing that we did get too that was extra was the um, 
banana pudding we got that for dessert and that was phenomenal i probably one of the best banana puddings i've eaten and that's because they put like a little bit of a caramel drizzle on top oh, yeah. and i, I saw was that surprised when you brought that out yeah it was very very good my only other thing that i got was the tennessee lemonade mm-hmm. which is the adult beverage on the menu and i thought it was pretty good I also later tried the mint julep from the walk-up window when you were eating there. Also mm-hmm. also pretty good. My overall takeaway is this is a, a good addition to Epcot. It's good for theme park barbecue. I, it might be, you know, it's better than you would expect. It is, if you're going in there trying to think you're going to get like great barbecue, you're going to be disappointed. But it is better than what is was there. It's if you're in the mood for barbecue, it's a great choice. It's better than, in my opinion, just getting like a hamburger or hot dog or, or something simple like that. But it is not worth the lines that were currently there because it's new. And I feel like, you know, it's just new and everybody wants to try it. It it wouldn't be worth standing in line for a really long time to eat. There are other options you could go to with shorter lines. You know, it's an interesting, I heard an interesting take when it comes to like the food at Disney and when they were talking about this restaurant. It kind of depends on where you're from as to whether you're going to be wanting to go on vacation and eat a certain type of food. Like say, you know, if you're from the Carolina area or Tennessee or something like that, where they're they're, they're known for having good barbecue already, you're, you're probably not going to be prone to want to go to this place and pay the prices you're going to go at this, get at this place, right? Um, I guess the same could kind of go for, the example they gave is they have places in the Nashville area that they, in their opinion, they actually said that were better than Art Smith's place, that type food. So mm-hmm. therefore, when he goes to Disney World, I was like, he's not really that impressed with Art Smith, which a lot of people like Art Smith's place. Yeah, I think there's a lot of like out of country travelers that they come and they see something like this and they kind of associate it with America, and so they try it. Yeah, and, you know that that sort of thing. You know, right? Yeah. What would make you think that that restaurant is associated with America? I mean, it <laughs> barbecue. <is>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's Eagle, in the Eagle. America Pavilion is what I'm getting at. Right. I know, but Sam I mean, Eagle. food. Barbecue is very much American. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm just saying, you know, you go to the America Pavilion and you're like, this seems very American. <laughs> well, speaking of the, the, the pavilion, the restaurant, I like the theming. I love that they have the outdoor smoker, even though they weren't using it. I think it's more decoration. I think they'll use it as kind of overflow cooking, maybe. They don't really, it's not really cooking all the meat, but it looks cool out there. And uh, the inside of the restaurant looks really good too. It's similar, but they've made a lot of Muppet theming that uh, is subtle, not as weird as Pizza Rizzo, and it fits better. And I like it. I like yeah, the I thought it was you know, overall could, a winner. Yeah. Do you know what could always be confusing about this pavilion is like the food was very much modernized every single time, you know, as far as what you get. But yet, everything else about it is like 1776 America, yeah. <laughs> as far as what they, right. what they portray everywhere you, else. So You, you mean you didn't have food, a giant but... smoker back in 1776? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, probably not. Maybe not. Oh, okay. I just checked. It's like, it's like everything else around there is very much colonial America. Yes. Which well, is 
So I guess I should move ahead. So we did, yeah. we did, we did Regal Eagle winner. And at this point, after Regal Eagle, I went and saw Canada far and wide, and we started to make our way over to Magic Kingdom to meet up with you, Adam. At that point, I gotta say, Magic Kingdom was awful that day as far as crowds. Crowded. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, worse than your Christmas trip, perhaps, crowded? I mean, it was It felt more crowded, yeah. It felt... I was able to get fast passes for a lot of stuff during the day after Christmas at Magic Kingdom. And... Nothing was, none of the good rides were pulling at all. We did standby (laughs) for Little Mermaid for like 35 minutes because we just couldn't come up with anything to do. Yeah. You know, I would love to get stats on capacity on the days you were there and days recently to see just what kind of capacity they're running because I guarantee you they have cut it. Well, there are a lot of people there. It wasn't just on the rides. It was just everywhere. There were so many people. And that day, I think I looked back at touring plans, was either a 9 or a 10. I think it was a 9 on their scale. We go, we went back to Magic Kingdom on Sunday, and it was a 4. And it was much more what I was used to. Like, the, the, yeah. the weights weren't, you know, September levels, but they were more, you know, Manageable. following the usual pattern that you expect. Yeah. You can get stuff, well, you know. They base their number on the amount the the amount of time you wait in line because that's what people judge it on, right? Yeah. Well, we didn't stay out very long, right? I, I I mean, I think we did. You did Barnstormer before we got there, right, Adam? And uh, yeah, we started with Buzz Lightyear and okay, did Buzz did and that with the Fast Pass, and then the Fast Pass return line was all the way to almost to Carousel of Progress before they moved everybody over towards Monsters, Inc. and funneled everybody in that way. But we were near the stroller parking in front of Carousel of Progress and we're like, uh, this is the Fast Pass line? So that was bad. And then, yeah, we did Barnstormer and I had a 7.30 p.m. Big Thunder that because it's my son's new favorite ride and couldn't move it. So we had like a three-hour gap from that point, from Barnstormer to that, and we literally couldn't move it. We even tried to change it to a different ride and couldn't get it to change, <laughs> couldn't get anything. So that's yeah. why we so did So you did standby for Small World while I went and did Haunted Mansion. Yes. Yeah. And I had that. pulled that Haunted Mansion many hours before we went to Magic Kingdom while I was still over in Epcot. That's the only reason I got that. Yeah. And the, the weird thing about Small World was it was posted at, I think, a 50-minute wait. And we waited 10. <laughs> so I don't know why it was posted at 50. The line, you know, they're redoing the queue. So you go in the old Fast Pass entrance, and that's pretty much where the line wasn't backed up. You know, the old stroller parking is where they have the overflow line right now. And there was nobody in that part of the line. You just walked right in, and it said 50 minutes. It was maybe 10 or 15. I don't understand that. So that was a weird thing. We didn't wait long at all for Small World. So, But then we were pretty tired, and I... Yes. Kids were melting down. 
Yep. So I was like, let's get out of Dodge. Um, you went and rode Thunder. Right. But I got out of Dodge and I was back on the boat over to the Polynesian, which is where we were parked. Oh, yeah. Um, I should mention Polynesian really quick because I ate at Captain Cook's for the first time in many years uh, for lunch before we went to Magic Kingdom. And those uh, Thai meatballs over rice are really good. That's worth getting if you go over there. They are. We I don't know if you knew this. When we took the boat back, Cindy was a little peckish, my wife. And so we went and ordered Thai meatballs Uh, at Captain Cook's. So I got to taste some. (laughs) They're very good. Would you say it's the best thing you've had at Captain Cook's on the current menu? Uh, It's very good. I, I, I would... The... Pulled pork nachos were actually really good too. I enjoyed those quite a bit. So my son got those and I ate half of them. So I don't know. It was really good. I I would say that or the meatballs are both pretty darn good. So that's that's the end of, of day one. The real challenge began on day two when we rose early to get to Hollywood Studios to try to ride. Rise of the Resistance. This was an interesting day, to say the least. (laughs) Leap day. Leap day, February 29th. Turned out to be a great day, but it didn't start out that way. Yes. It means you got to leap to the front of the line, right? Yeah, sure. No. (laughs) We arrive early. We all meet up. We're in Animation Courtyard where we're told we're the best place to do it. We keep getting bumped off the Wi-Fi for whatever reason, so we can't consistently keep a Wi-Fi signal we have our strategies down. The time finally arrives. I reboot my app with just seconds to go. I pull it up. No boarding group no boarding group button lit up for me. No boarding group button lit up for Adam. Nope. We sit there, we refreshing, we refreshing. I I we hear cheers all around us. I reboot my groups. app. Yep. And like a minute passes, minute and a half, I get us boarding group one hundred and sixteen. Yeah. And I got to say, you could say, why didn't you stay, stay on Wi-Fi better? Why didn't you come up? I knew all the tricks. I've tried it before. I'm not a Disney noob by any stretch of the imagination. I did, in fact, ride every ride at Disney in one day. So I'm not a noob. Right. Right. And I got boarding group 116, and I arrived at the park early. The boarding group system is stupid. That's all I can say. I mean, <laughs> yeah. people out there, and, and I want to clarify because a lot of people out there say the people who are against the boarding group system don't understand math. I do math for a living, okay? I am not arguing that if we went, we got rid of the boarding group system as it is today, I'm not arguing that more people are going to get to ride Rise of the Resistance. The number of people that are going to get ride, ride Rise of the Resistance will stay the same. It's just this process is so stressful. You have no idea how to plan your day. And we got group 116, which left me feeling deflated. I mean, I was... For for a good part of the day. (laughs) Yeah, depressed. Because we are not going to get to ride this ride. We're going to have to get up the next morning and do it all over again. We have no idea if we're going to get to ride it or when. Yeah, You don't know if it's going to be a good day or a bad day. We had a dinner reservation at Sebastian's that we didn't know if we should keep or cancel. We have fast passes, and we don't know which parks we should be able to go to. So, yeah, we get boarding group 116, and 
all looks pretty bleak. Yeah. We felt like, or I felt like, if we do get to write it, it's going to be like 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m. And then there's the other situation I was thinking of, which is we have my two-year-old who can't write it. So if it comes down to the last, you know, half hour of the day, I'm not going to get to write it at all because I have to do a writer switch so that they can write it. We stay with our two-year-old, and then when they're done, I can go through the fast-pass line. But if it's at the end of the day, you know, by the time they get off, if the ride's already closed, I'm out of luck, you know. So I was thinking, if if anything, I'm not going to get to ride it, probably. And if they get to ride it, it's probably going to be very close to the end of the day. Right. And so we see this, we're deflated, we don't know, we waste way too much time being deflated, so we yeah. get behind the opening crowds and we end up waiting, I don't know, 45 minutes for Toy Story Mania, yeah, maybe longer. I think it pushed close to an hour, it was like 50 minutes maybe, 50, probably 55 maybe. So yeah, we're there an hour before park opens, we do everything right, we're in the back of the line for Rise of the Resistance, we wait an hour for our first ride. And then I finally get to sit down and, and have some breakfast. Which, by the way, when we were standing in line at Toy Story Mania, we thought we were going to eat breakfast at Docking Bay 7. But by the time we get out of line, at like 9.30, they stop serving breakfast at Docking Bay 7. I'm yeah. like, do they do they serve breakfast for like 45 minutes there? <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. Yeah, I think um, 9 a.m. was the cutoff, wasn't it? You had to be there by 9. Something like so that. So basically an hour. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we didn't when get does off. it open at 8? We got off Toy Story at like 9.30. Almost. Oh no, that's what I'm saying. But Docking Bay Seven basically only opens for an hour for breakfast. Yeah, it sounds like that's what I was saying. It's like it was already yeah, done. Yeah, you have to rope drop breakfast. it to eat there. <laughs> yeah, to eat breakfast. I don't know. So that but, sounds like. Go ahead. I was gonna say that sounds like some mornings on the cruise ship. Like you'll have a particular dining room that's only open for like maybe an hour and a half or so, and then there's some that's open longer. I mean, the reason why they have other ones open for just a short period of time, I don't really understand. I, unless it's, they feel like that's the hour in which they're going to have the most people and they need another place. But yeah. I, that's the only thing I can think of. But, I mean, that's just kind of weird. Well, I was looking but, through the app because Jason was standing in line for the uh, Woody's Lunchbox, and I was looking around for anything else that was open. Docking Bay 7 and Woody's Lunchbox were the only two places that were serving breakfast that day. I think ABC Commissary is going to start serving breakfast now. The now, day after we, the day after we were there, they started yeah, serving breakfast. So, but that day they weren't. So you have three options now, but even still, half of the other things don't open till like noon or eleven a.m. Or so if you're there at nine yeah. o'clock in the morning and you're hungry, you either got a, the Starbucks or you got to wait in line at Woody's Lunchbox because again, mobile order was not working for half of the restaurants either that we were working at uh, it was apparently too busy they had two because they right. did, were accepting mobile orders and then they stopped because it got too busy so yeah. i the only reason we ate at lindy's lunchbox is because as soon as i saw that while everybody in our party was debating whether or not we were going to eat at woody's lunchbox i went and got lined <laughs> yeah yeah i don't think the parks in general outside of the reserving a sit down really has very much breakfast option wise i know hollywood studios in particular doesn't Epcot's usually a little bit better about it because they have sunshines for breakfast, sunshine seasons for breakfast. But Hollywood Studios has always been one of the worst if you want quick service breakfast. Yeah, so we eat breakfast. I was going to run over because we had a Tower of Terror Fast Pass for my family. But 
it apparently had broken down, so I got a multi-experience that I ended up never using, unfortunately. So we got a little bit more time, and so we went after that, and we went and rode the Falcon, right? Or am I missing anything, Adam? No, we did. I, I should have mentioned that the, as I was walking off Toy Story Mania, I was able to get a Fast Pass for our Smuggler's Run, which overlapped yours that you already had. And uh, so we were able to ride it all together. And <laughs> so I was going to tell the story about my uh, two-year-old who was able to ride Smuggler's Run. But I will say that we stuffed his shoes because <laughs> he is right on the verge of 38 inches. I would like, say he's 37 and 7 eighths of an inch. <laughs> sure. So he's like he close. Is, he is like barely there and this is a two-year-old they have a sizable yes he's a large two-year-old he's tall (laughs) he's a big kid but we stuffed his shoes because we knew he was right on the verge so we wanted to make sure he was like just i wouldn't recommend doing this by the way if you're (laughs) unless you're really sure that he can handle it which i think we were we felt like he was okay smugglers run you do have to sit in your own seat but he was great i mean he he cried a little bit uh, because of like when we crashed a couple of times, <laughs> he was a little upset by that. But otherwise, he did great, and he loved it after we got off. He said he was having fun. Originally, they tried to hand you and him pilots. Uh, yeah, that's true. I was like, I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> he won't be able to reach the controls, for one. So we traded with some uh, others that were riding with us, uh, some other guests. So uh, they were cool with it. All I can say is I am shocked and appalled at the um, <laughs> that we measures to which you will go to the extremes. Yeah. You should have seen the stilts they put him on so that he could ride Space Mountain later. Right, Space right, Stilts. He did not do that, just for the record. No, um, that's a joke. So so we ride we ride Smugglers. I thought it was a, a pretty good time. I, I got to ride Pilot for the first time because when you and your because you needed to ride next to your two-year-old. So I rode... One of the pilots, and I got to pull the pull the light the jump to light speed. So, That's fun. Woo! Yay! We didn't get Chewbacca mode or Chewy mode. We tried. We kind of tried, although my son didn't push any buttons because he was he just held onto his seat the whole time. He didn't move. I tried to get him to push the button. He was a gunner. He didn't do it. But uh, but up until this point, I have been pretty uh, morose that day. Yeah. Um, pretty pretty down in the dumps now smugglers i mean not smugglers uh, rise had broken down that day once already and done one of its 45 minute resets um and then we got off by the time we got off smugglers run it was moving again we were on pace that i was like well if this keeps up we're gonna get to ride by like five o'clock maybe six o'clock yeah and i was like i don't know though because i've seen this before it's going to break down like four more times right so after this we decide we're going to go get on the skyliner to epcot Mm. and go spend some time at epcot right eat some lunch do that kind of thing Um, we skyliner over we don't get stopped but once officially i don't think on Epcot. we got slowed down a few times but we only had like maybe one stop yeah yeah, I mean, we slowed down a few times, but it never completely stopped. But maybe once, you're right. Yeah, it was fine. It wasn't bad. Yeah, it was a pleasant experience. We enjoy the Epcot, you know, Skyliner line. I love getting between those two parks like that. One of my favorite things is the Skyliner that they've added recently. Yeah, it's a great, um, it's a great ride over. Yeah, I enjoy 
riding the Skylark. But I'm saying it's a great ride. Yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> this transportation that's sure. also a ride. Now that it's now fun. that Chapik's in charge, it's probably going to cost money. But you know. Yeah. So that was a good a good pleasant ride. We arrive at the International Gateway, go into Epcot. It's not nearly as crazy as Hollywood Studios, which of course was a zoo of people. I'm still pretty depressed. You go to Regal Eagle Smokehouse. Yep. Yep. Uh, my wife and I end up getting food at the quick service in the Morocco Pavilion, which, by the way, is perhaps my new favorite quick service in Epcot. Just because I love that kind of food. And it was shawarma. pretty good. I mean, again, not the best shawarma I've ever had, but of the options I have in Epcot, pretty good. Yeah, it looked good. I, I Looked like it would be really good. So yeah. So yeah, we we have a fairly long, lengthy lunch in Epcot. Yeah. Take a walk around, get a couple of drinks along the way in World Showcase, mm-hmm. and we go and we ride Test Track. Yes. Because I was able to get us a fast pass. Mm-hmm. So as we're headed to Test Track, and while we're getting on Test Track, the boarding groups for Rise of the Resistance are rising rapidly. Right. We've heard that 10 an hour is good. They were calling a group like every two to three minutes. And by the time we got off test track, it was like, well, we can't ride this again. We're not going to do the rider swap. We need to go. They were like 15 groups away when we when we got off test. track. It was like 96, 97. It was like every time you check the app, it was like 98, 99, 100, you know. So. I have a question to ask on this. Does the, like when your boarding group time is there, does it give you a notification or do you still have to be watching it? It will give you a push notification when your boarding group is called. Has been called. Okay. Yeah. You have to check for progress up until that point. Otherwise it'll just tell you when your group is called. It's not going to be like, Hey, you're five groups away. You kind of have to check that yourself. But do you have two hour window once your notification Right. Sometimes it's one, sometimes it's two. I yeah. think it depends. I think later in the day, day, I'm sure it's one, you know. Yeah. But I'm, mm, I, you know. the question we had was maybe they have fewer people in some of the later boarding groups or. Yeah, backup groups because we were well in the backup groups. Yeah. And so it was just, they were just churning through numbers. So we get, <laughs> we get all the kids together. And this is where I started to have hope and everybody was making fun of me because I just put on the afterburners. I was pushing a stroller and (laughs) I was just booking it through Epcot. We even threw crowds. Everybody was lagging behind. Right. Um, I had to use the bathroom by the way. (laughs) And I wasn't about to stop (laughs) because I knew, I knew uh, I would get left behind if I tried to stop. Adam, you've held it for a much longer at Disney. Um, <laughs> During the channel, and, hey, and I was fine. <laughs> so okay. we get on the Skyliner. We ride the Skyliner over. As we pull into the station, the doors had just opened, and we were on the stopped. edge of the platform, <laughs> and it stops. And we like look at the lady, and she's like, I guess you could get off. Inches away from just being right there. I think when we started on the Skyliner, we were maybe 10 groups away from being called or less, maybe even nine. Yeah. We get on the next Skyliner. We roll into Hollywood Studios. We're only like three groups away. We take, you know, head straight back to Galaxy's Edge, pull up. It's at group 115. If you remember from earlier in the recap, we are group 116. 
and the ride has broken down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the second we walk up, it's like, ooh, any second now our group's going to get called. We walk up to the ride, and it's like, um, we're experiencing a downtime at this time. <laughs> it's like on 115, really? On 115. So, yeah. yeah. So the point is, is I was pretty morose at this point because I'm like, well, if it comes back up, we're going to get to ride. But if it doesn't come back up, we have no recourse because we yeah, didn't make it screwed. to where we even got called. Right. Right. So we missed out on the getting the fast pass portion. But you did get to go to the bathroom at least. Yes, I did do that. And I even went to Doc Ondar's <laughs> to get my kyber crystal for my lightsaber. So just to talk about that for a second. If you do a lightsaber at the Savi's workshop, you get to, you know, pick out a kyber crystal. But if you go to Doc Ondar's, they have some you can't get at the lights Savi's workshop. So I think white and yellow are the two, or black, because you can't get the... Of course, the black one is, like, rare, and it's in the red kyber crystal cases. But anyway, so if you have a lightsaber and you get a new kyber crystal, they're twelve seventy eight with a pass holder discount or they're fourteen ninety nine regular price credits, excuse me, not dollars. Fourteen point nine nine credits. And it'll change the color of your lightsaber just by plugging the new crystal in and it makes a different sound, which I think is really cool. All the different crystals have their own sound, have their own color of course. Just throwing that in there. If you do a lightsaber, you can buy those at Dockondars. So you went from purple to what color again? I bought a green one. And I started okay. to buy, like, I think the limit was two. It looked like on the thing you can only buy two because people are buying them and reselling them. So um, oh. I started to buy a blue one as well. But I, I was like, let me just see how I like the green one. And I, I like it a lot. I'm going to go back and buy them all at some point. <laughs> I'm just going to get every color. So I was going to say, you know, they only have it limited. Is it because you plan on putting uh, them on eBay not long no. after you bought them? I do not because no. I want to keep them all because <laughs> they're really cool to switch out and see the different sounds and the colors. It's uh, anyway. I mean, it's not like a spork or anything. Yeah. It's a cool investment. I think um, the lightsaber was a cool uh, thing to do. So if you're at all interested, I think it's worth doing it at least once. Anyway. So... We, we knew we had this time because we know that they take 45 minutes when they dump right. the queue. And so we got right. to pee. We did this. And then we, we roll back over and we stand out front because we know they're probably getting close because we know the 45-minute mark. Sure enough, they start calling the ride in. We stand right out front. And within a minute of the ride reopening, our boarding group gets called. We tap in. We go over. We set up the rider swap, which means that it's... Uh, you, Adam, and your wife are sitting out with your son. And so we take your other son along with my son and my wife. Um, your son was a mm. great guide because he had ridden it before and told us everything <laughs> oh, we Lord. were going to expect. I'm sure he did. Um, and <laughs> kept us safe. But my first experience yes. on Rise of the Resistance, I would say it is everything that it's hyped up to be. The ride is very immersive. The queue is very immersive. I was impressed at every step of the way. I did end up getting to ride it twice, by the way, because the third person on your rider swap that got to go with you was me because we couldn't get the, you know, we couldn't make one of the kids upset. So we just made them both upset and let me go twice. Right. Um, <laughs> exactly. So uh, better, better than yeah. have one upset than the other. Yeah. 
Right. So I did get to write it twice. So with both experiences, I thought it was awesome. I will say my favorite parts are everything leading up to the actual ride, in particular, the transport part. I think that's my favorite part is the transport. Interesting. It's very immersive in there. You get in there. It's not technically a ride, although it is turning. So it is moving. Right. But I think the animatronic in there is just impeccable. Yeah. The way they use the screens is not too overbearing. It kind of feels like you're actually in there. And the fact that there's a little bit of the magic of like you go in one door and you come out the same door, but you're not in the same spot. If you aren't really paying attention, you're like, did I actually just go into space? Which you know you didn't. But it is very immersive in that regard. I think that's... I think yeah. that right there, and, and just the whole cast interaction pieces that happen there too, both when you're getting right. on and when you're getting off, are really really yeah. good. Yes, the first order cast members come in, come in immediately, like charging in and like you know, telling you this ship is now under command of the first order or whatever. It's uh, it can be intimidating for some people, and it's pretty fun to see the reactions people get when people just sort of get in your face, like running into the ship uh taking you out it's pretty cool make you make you think like you're walking through one of those halloween houses kind of in a sense <laughs> i mean it's like obviously a disney version of it it's very yeah. uh controlled and it's not nearly as uh intimidating as some of those might be like halloween you rebel scum yeah my and and you can have fun with them too it's kind of cool yeah one of them got up in my face and she was saying you look scared and i was like i I, I am. And she said, is it because you brought your children to be captured? And I said, yeah. And she said, they'll be fine. My wife said, does that mean he's not going to be fine? And she said, like I said, they'll be fine. That was <laughs> they'll be it. fine. And right. So their future is as a stormtrooper. They'll be fine. Yeah. Right, yeah. They're young <laughs> enough to be converted. I thought it was pretty good, though. I like those, those, those cast members. On the actual ride itself immersive very cool better the first time than the second time you know i think the second time it's a little more obvious you know where the screens are and things like that the first time it's just so much happening that you can't even right you're overwhelmed first time you can't even bother to to try to find any detail missings the only things that once you get in person that you may have seen a video that sort of stand out to me and you've brought this up so many times john the finn animatronic Mm. (laughs) Sigourney Weaver. How limited. I'm telling you, I'm that one, I wouldn't be surprised me if that was Ripley. Yeah, like the body <laughs> the Ripley part animatronic. Least, yeah. yeah. And the right. second one is the Hux animatronic, which doesn't really look like Hux all that much. It looks like Danny Kay, if you know who that is. It looks like Danny really? Kay just standing there. Well, yeah, maybe that's, that's it. Bad. Maybe they had Danny Kay uh, cryogenically frozen with Walt. Maybe. And they just thought him out yeah. early. That's who I was thinking when I was <laughs> writing it the second time. I'm like, this is... Obviously, he never turns around like Kylo Ren does, but the the Hux one just stands there very awkwardly talking and moving. Well, and it just... Yeah. My thought is, too, it's like when the ships start coming in, the Resistance come in, he, he doesn't really react to it. He's just sort of like, oh, let's... Fire, return fire, that kind of thing. He doesn't really move. Like I would imagine that fluid animatronics are more expensive than non-fluid ones. Right. So they probably Obviously, the yeah, more non-fluid they, ones they have. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like they the saved a few bucks on him and uh, yeah. kept him not moving. But anyway, I think the last room with Kylo Ren in it, the animatronic is very good. 
but the effect and then the sort of where he doesn't move his legs like you said right yeah he just his legs are still and then the little piece of the ship just sort of falls in front of him and it's like okay well he's still standing there so we just okay but uh, you know it's cool but he was strong enough with the force to not get sucked out into space right he just stood his ground but he's still standing there it's it's still incredible and and those two minor (laughs) details are not enough to take away from the ride i i yeah, I oh, think yeah. that it's an incredible ride, and and I would feel gypped if I didn't get the pre-shows. That is as much <laughs> to me a part of it now, as anything else. I got to ask you, having done it, do you think on a regular basis anyway it would be worth you going through the boarding group hassle just to do it? I am going to say if I was by myself, I would get up every day and do the boarding group, but that's because I'm extra. Is it worth dragging gotcha. my whole family up? I would maybe do it on some days because some days we will rope drop things. If they had moved it up Mm -hmm. to 7 or 6 a.m., I would not be doing it every day. And that's why I think they should be opening Hollywood Studios at 7 or 6 a.m. Because I think what that does is right now 8 a.m. is that time where I was like, well, maybe we're up early. We'll go do it. At 7 a.m., the barrier to entry is a little higher. So you're less likely to get repeat offenders if you will repeat guests you're going to get people who are like this is my first time i'm going to try it and so the boarding groups will go a little bit longer right yeah Yeah. that might have been some of what happened with galaxy's edge when it opened you know they had such an early opening that people who were wanting to check it out were kind of doing it in waves i guess there were there were early risers and so by the time the day wore on you had more of the casual fans that were in there you know and maybe that's why it seemed not as crowded too so I'll say this too, the, the rider switch, when it was our turn to ride again, or for you again, we walked straight to the briefing room, basically. There was one, maybe two people in front of us that were together that as soon as we, we, we literally walked straight through there. So I'm sure that's not the case all the time, but for now, before Fast Pass, the rider switch, I think that's fantastic. It was very smooth. We went. We were done with the ride before Jason's wife even got to the line of um, through the line of alien swirling saucers with the kids. She took them when Jason rode the second time with us. Yeah, we got done with the ride, walked over to saucers, and they were getting on saucers. So, so within half an hour, I would say we were done. Maybe, yeah. maybe even less. Which than to half me, an hour. I, I was. My point was, this is a good test for us on approximately how long the ride would take at an actual rope drop if they actually rope drop that ride right yeah well they will at some point it's just a matter of when is that going to be i don't think it's going to be boarding groups from now until the end of time yeah i mean i hope i hope i mean i feel bad the boarding group system we did end up getting to ride and we get off and adam says are you a fan of boarding groups now and i'm like no that day was stressful (laughs) And yeah. for those of you who say, well, you did mm-hmm. get to ride. We only got to ride because Rise had the best day of, like, the last 14 Two days. Weeks. They got to, like, yeah. 146. They haven't been to Group 116 mm-hmm. since then. I got lucky that day. Um, yeah, we were very lucky that day. And I'm just, like, the amount of stress that that put on my day. I thought it was an incredible ride, but we did not get up the next day to get a boarding group. Because I'm just, like... I, I did it. It was too stressful. I don't want to go through that again. Yeah. And we did have to cancel our dinner plans because it was exact time 
of our dinner when we were getting our group called, so we had to cancel dinner. And we're pros at so Disney's, and we know how to cancel a dinner and not not get to, charged. Not get charged. But think about people who are there on a vacation; they're going to get charged what ten dollars a person for not making their yeah. dinner reservation. Or they're going to be on the phone for half an hour trying to explain why they couldn't make it and, you know, get forgiven for, you know, not making a dinner or whatever. I bet, I bet that's the most common reason on property right now is mm-hmm. my boarding group got called. Yeah, exactly. You said as an exception. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the way it is. I mean, that's just the way of yeah. right now. You have to just live on edge the whole day until your boarding group gets called. Yeah. But that turned the day around, obviously. You got to ride it two times in a row. Yeah, that was so good. That was, that was pretty, pretty cool. awesome. And we celebrated with dinner. When all is said and done, Jason, wouldn't you agree that the boarding groups had to have come from the mind of Chapik? Um, <laughs> okay. I don't know if they came from the mind that. of Chapik. See, here's the thing. When I first heard they were going to do this virtual queue system, I thought, on pa- I thought that could work. That could be a good idea. It's one of those things that on paper... Sounds like a good idea. But in practice, it's not. And it's because of the guest experience factor. And again, I know people say, guest experience factor. You got to ride the most popular ride in Disney World, and you were able to do so. I want to point out, if they had run it like a normal ride, I would have gotten to ride that ride in January. Because I would have driven all night, and I did, and arrive at 2 a.m., and I would have gotten straight in line, and I would have waited, and I would have been the first person to ride it. And I wouldn't have, and I would have known I was going to be the first person to ride it. I wouldn't have had to get a boarding group and wonder if I was going to get to ride it before my cruise, and then not get to ride it before my cruise, or any of that. I would have been there bright and early on Saturday, and I would have gotten to ride it. Or if I had gotten there late, I would have been willing to wait three to five hours, or whatever the line would end up being. And I would be able to plan my day and know when I was going to be off. Instead, my entire day was based around the fact that we wanted to ride Rise of the Resistance. And everything else had to fit around that one thing. And so it's a terrible guest experience. It's terrible. Is that a contradiction or an exception to your motto of, I don't wait in line? I mean, there's only one (laughs) choice. I have to wait in line. The boarding group yeah. is... I mean, those were, those were the words you used. I don't wait in line at Disney, but unless there's no other choice, <laughs> unless they, they don't give me an option, there's no way to be yeah. the first person in line, and there's no way to skip the line. The only way you can right. do it is to win right. a lottery. That's the only way you can't wait in line, is to yeah. win a lottery. Right. Well, uh, again, I think they do it because they don't want people waiting in line seven, eight hours for this ride, so they do it this way. Hopefully that... You know, enough people will ride it to where when they do open it up to everybody that it won't be a eight-hour line. Um, so I, well, they're trying to short-term make the guest experience, in theory, better by not having these ridiculously long lines and people showing up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Because if you have younger kids, you can't show up at 3 o'clock in the morning. So you're screwed either way. So at least you have a shot if you have kids that you can't get up that early. I think they would have been on day one, especially at this point. If you started out, well, that's um, the point. They didn't want it. They they wanted you to. They it's basically a soft open of the ride right now, and they're trying to get as many people to do it so that they won't wait in an eight hour line when they do open it up to everybody. But if they had started it out, just a free for all, and then it would have subsided by now. 
I'm just saying. True. Even by now. But it would have been a disaster for the first uh, several months, really. It would have mm, been. It would have been a disaster because the first... We're not even several months were, away from the opening. Okay, well, the first <laughs> several weeks. But it would have been a disaster because it breaks down all the time. The so breakdown least, the all the time is the only legitimate reason to me why they still have boarding groups. That is the only reason. Yeah. The reason they have boarding groups is they want to control yeah. how many people are in that line when they have to dump the queue every three hours. Right. And, and because, they know it's going to break down all the time. That's why they're doing they it. They can control how many people are in the queue so they know the maximum number of fast passes they're going to hand out. Because if you had a standby line and you dump the queue, you can't hand everybody yeah. a fast pass. That's the only reason they're doing it. And when they get that ride reliable, if they don't get rid of the boarding group system. If they do. If they get that Well, ride. that's the other thing. So if they have to dump a queue with an, a five-hour line or three-hour line, whatever it is, they have to dump that many people out. Where are they going to go? And they're just going to stand around not spending money in the park waiting for the ride to come back so they can be first in line when it opens again. So that's why they're doing it. People are wandering the park, spending money, waiting on their boarding group to show up. So it's a win for Disney more than it is the the, the, right. the uh, so guest. To me, that is the reason JP. why boarding groups exist, and the only good reason is the maintenance issues. From yeah. a guest experience point of view, it is not better. And I am not going to make the case that a standby line would mean more people get to ride or a shorter overall wait. But I would contend I do not think it would be an eight-hour wait because I think people like me, if I walked up to that ride at this point, I've ridden it once, right? If there's a three-hour-plus line, I'm not going to ride it, right? Just like if Flight of Passage has a three-hour-plus ride, I think it's a great ride, but I'm not going to wait in line. So... The thing is, is is you're going to control the number of people that are going to ride it because people will do that cost-benefit analysis. The amount of effort it takes to show up at 8 o'clock to enter the lottery every day for people who are local is a lot lower than saying, I'm going to show up every day and wait in three hours to ride the ride. Well, I was just thinking here, talking about back before there was an attraction that was unreliable and didn't have boarding groups when it opened, and I happened to experience it. Uh, let's see, it opened in January. I was there in uh, May, or the end of May, early June. So we're talking five months, four to five months after it was open. was still unreliable. As a matter of fact, we were just discussing it's still unreliable today. I'm talking about Test Track. It had, uh, even this was, you know, right after Memorial Day, basically, in that time frame, summer has started. It had, a two-hour wait was about what it, still maxed out at okay and that's still a relatively new attraction and it broke down frequently um we had gotten in line and waited quite a while that that trip and it broke down and we had to you know go elsewhere we did eventually get to ride it on the like the next try and still waited a pretty good good while but i mean it was not anything to see that thing have two hours all day long and it was new now there's probably more people going to Disney World now than they did then, especially for, you know, Rise. So there's going to be that factor. But I still, just like you, there's not going to be an eight-hour line uh, at uh, probably ever. They may say that there was going to be one. It probably wouldn't have been actually been one. You know, There would have been an eight-hour line on day one. It may be day two. Yeah. But now there wouldn't be. No. But again, Disney wants people spending money constantly, so... That's why they're no, doing I wonder, 
I wonder how Universal feels right now, knowing that, um, you know, Hagrid is actually running, you know, fairly smooth now compared to what it, when it first started. You know, they had those headlines in their issue whenever it first opened, and now Disney's getting all the headlines of Rise the Resistance, reliability, and apparently boat sinking, and you know, have all these technical issues and you don't hear a word on their side of the, of Orlando, nothing going wrong over there. Everything seems to be running smooth over there. No maintenance issues. Um, I wonder how, if they're just kind of, I mean, again, we don't really <laughs> pay attention as much, I would say. So I don't know if that's a fair comparison because we don't really listen. Well, at least I don't listen to universal news as much as I do Disney. If universal had a boat sink, it would have made headlines. Yeah. Okay, so I'll give you that, but I mean, I'm sure it breaks down still. Hagrid's. I'm just saying they're not having the issues that Disney apparently is currently having. Well, I don't think you can compare Hagrid's to Rise of the Resistance and that be a fair comparison either. Those rides are very different. A roller coaster is not nearly the same as a uh, what Rise does. See, that's just that's just it. It's not really just a roller coaster. Yeah, okay. The There's more to it, but it. I'm telling you, Rise it's, is way more complex than than Hagrid's. Oh, no doubt, a, a trackless system is way more complex. Oh, speaking of which, I mean, if we got a little bit of time to mention it, I know Jason, you said you listened to the Dish, the trackless system, how it had been in existence since 2000, actually, with Pooh's Honey Hunt at Tokyo is where his Honey I mean, Hunt is, right? Okay, so. Supposedly, now I don't know how true it is, that there was some sort of deal in place with them as to why that they couldn't actually do another ride system like that for so long. And maybe that's why that they're just now, like they wanted to have it exclusively in that uh, region of the world uh, to start with. And then now they're just now being able to incorporate it uh, in the other parts. Now every new ride is they haven't. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're impressive you know, system. I thought it was very odd that Disney just started doing one and like, even though it's not an impressive attraction, but SeaWorld actually kind of beat them to having one because SeaWorld has a, a trackless ride. This is really very short. I mean, it doesn't compare overall to anything Disney's done with what they've done with it, but they did have trackless. And I feel like there's going to be more that are going to have trackless now going forward. Oh yeah, uh, Not near to the elaborate means that Disney's doing the immersiveness that Disney's doing because they can't afford to probably with Mickey and Minnie's runaway well right which will be open at the time we're recording this it's going to be open in a few hours actually right <laughs> so what's the over we'll under on that how first many times it goes down uh five five breakdowns oh. tomorrow okay that's what I'm gonna get hmm yeah I'll say I mean, that's a fair number, I guess. I'll say four. I feel like this one's going to be more reliable than Rise. I can't explain why I feel like it. I mean, it looks like it's pretty technically complex, but I there's got there's something about it that makes me think that this is more reliable than Rise. Well, it's a it's, there's no drop or anything like that. There's it's a little less complicated, probably. Mm-hmm. Overall, <laughs> just a little. Um, so, I mean, like I said, trackless, a lot of the same stuff being used. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably more screens in this one, though. Than yeah, more projection than screens, yeah. Wouldn't you say? So It's very projection heavy. So, I know we're running, like, yeah. way over. We have, like, the longest episode ever. Um, so, yes. maybe we can tick through some of the remainder of our trip. 
Uh, we did yep. celebrate Rise by eating at the Wave, and that is our first time actually eating at the Wave. We <laughs> kept our reservation. We ate there, and it and was delicious. It was fantastic. Yeah, I would I would go back there for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And it was great. Yeah, we got. I think both you and I got the noodle bowl. Mm. Our appetizers were great, which we had like the the bacon and egg thing, the crab cakes. Those yeah. were fantastic. The drinks were good. Bacon and egg, I would get every time. It's it is really really good. Get that. So, so the wave is a winner. We did not yes. go to any other parks afterwards. We went to bed. Got up the next morning. This is Sunday morning. We each had breakfast independently. I think we had somewhat of a, a leisurely morning. I had breakfast at the dining hall area, the food court area of Port Orleans Riverside, which is where I was staying. I think I'll go into a more in-depth opinion on Port Orleans probably next week. It sounds like we're going to be discussing moderate resorts next week, so I'll save a little bit of that mm-hmm. for next sure. week. But we had a delicious breakfast there. And then off we went originally to Animal Kingdom. Yeah, Driving over to Animal Kingdom as I was getting off the exit... To head to Animal Kingdom, I had to stop on the on-ramp to that to the road. I forget what the name of that road is. Because that is how far the line was backed up to get into Animal Kingdom. So I called Adam, and I said, Adam, yeah. Animal Kingdom looks bad today. And I just <laughs> checked Magic Kingdom's yeah. wait times. Let's go to Magic Kingdom instead. And I had fast passes for Dinosaur, the animations class, and Flight of Passage. And I dropped all of those fast passes, and off to Magic Kingdom we went. So I made somebody's day with that Flight of Passage Fast Pass. And I do not regret that decision at all. I looked back at him, by the way. That day, Animal Kingdom ended up being a 7, according to touring plans, whereas our Magic Kingdom day was a 4. Yeah. yeah. And I think it was the right call, because we were dealing with crowds all week, especially Hollywood Studios, and then Magic Kingdom that first day. So it was nice to have a little break from the massive crowds that we dealt with. And we had a bit of an Adventureland, Frontierland kind of day. Yeah, I don't think we even set foot in Fantasyland or Tomorrowland. We did pirates and carpets and thunder and splash, and I rode the rafts by myself, and (laughs) I live-streamed it, and I didn't get off the ride because it's a ride that I rode, (laughs) and I don't know why anybody doesn't think it's a ride, but it's a ride. So I rode the ride, and... (laughs) We ate at Pecos Bills, which I have poo-pooed ever since I had a terrible experience a couple of years ago, and it was actually pretty good. I had the lettuce wraps, thought Pecos Bills was yeah. pretty good, and uh, we wrapped up the day with a ride on the uh, the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, and then we Did left. You? Yeah, so that is when you left. Uh, at that point, we also left Magic Kingdom, went back to our room, and... My wife and son both took a nap. Uh, I went and walked the grounds of Port Orleans, and I walked all the way over to French Quarter and back from Riverside, and then got everybody back up, and I had dinner at Boatwright's Dining Hall in Port Orleans, Riverside, and like I said, I'm going to talk about the resort a little bit later, but let's just say Boatwright's is underrated. That meal was fantastic. I do love me some Cajun cooking and I had the jambalaya and it was incredible. Hmm. My wife had really good food. I even had dessert. I had the chocolate creme brulee. My son ate his dinner there. Overall, pleasant experience, great service. I even did a cast compliment for our server. Really had a great time at Boat Rides. And Hmm. I had low expectations because I had heard pretty negative reviews from other bloggers, reviewers, that kind of thing about Boat Rides. 
So pretty yeah. pleased there. Had a few drinks there. So rather than driving to the parks, we got a minivan service over to Hollywood Studios for the after hours event. Not the after hours, but the magic hours, extra magic hours. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not used to being able to actually use extra magic hours because you usually have to pay for that now. But uh, got <laughs> yeah. extra magic hours at Hollywood Studios. I had pulled us a fast pass for Tower of Terror. So we used that fast pass, that got back in line, rode it again. So we rode Tower twice. We did standby right at the beginning of the magic hours for Slinky Dog. That was still like an hour long wait. We did Smuggler's Run and called it a night. So got in. We did get to get in Tower of Terror, which is one of my son's other favorite rides. And we got to get at least one ride in on Slinky. How crowded was it at the EMH? It was not like an after hours event, obviously. But it also wasn't like the rest of the day. Slinky at the start of after hours when Fantasmic was going on dipped down to as low as 35 40 minutes. By the time we got there it was 60 because we got there right there as the Fantasmic crowds. It peaked at about 80 and then dipped down from there the rest of the night. I think by the end of the night when we got off Smuggler's Run with, you know, 2 minutes or 3 minutes left to spare in the night, it was like a 20 minute wait. So, um and every by the end of the night, like if you were there all the way till 10:30 by 10 o'clock, Tower and Rockin' and Star Tours were all going to be walk-ons. Um, yeah. Uh, right. We cool. did wait about 30, 35 minutes for Falcon. The line when we got to Falcon at 9.30, 9.45 was still outside, but just barely. Hmm. So okay. it was just barely outside. It was not all the way into the queue. So, again, it's not like you're getting an after-hours level of crowds, but still very enjoyable. I was very tired after that, like barely standing. We took a minivan back because we were so exhausted and we didn't want to deal with buses or anything like that. This is where <laughs> I regretted not having a Skyliner resort. I would have loved to have the Skyliner at that point. It would have saved me a lot of money, right? Like It was still running that late? Yeah, it was still running. Oh, good. And I, I was I was thinking to myself, I'm like, when you start to do the calculations of like, is it worth it to pay the extra to stay at Caribbean Beach if it costs $100 more a night? Think about what you might pay in either parking or if you're going to take a or minivan, minivan. <laughs> or if you're going to take a lift or whatever you're going to take to get to the parks and back. If that Or stay on a monorail resort. Yeah. <laughs> I would rather stay on a Skyliner resort these days, I think, because you get... I kind of I understand what you're saying because I kind of enjoyed being in that whole area with that going and everything, and uh, maybe it's because it's new as well too. Maybe if the newness wears off some, I might feel different. But you know, I'm kind of I'm with you on that. I mean, you 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 stay on the monorail resorts to really to get the Magic Kingdom. Yeah, you can get to Epcot, but it's it's a a longish journey. Um, it's not yeah, it a direct is. path. Whereas the Skyliner, it just feels convenient. You've got lots of resorts, lots of eating places to eat right there, you know, to go to, everything you need. And it doesn't, and it's not that long to hop the parks. Like, I think it's really changed the way I view a day in that area. Hollywood Studios and Epcot are things you just bounce between. And the boat, yeah, that takes you there, but you have to stop along all the resorts. It feels like it takes forever. The Skyliner is enjoyable. There's lots. To, I don't know. I just, I like it. I, I like that, that ride a lot. It makes me, it makes Caribbean Beach a lot better. So that was that. We slept. Surprisingly, I did not go to a park on our last day on Monday. I, I wanted to drive home, which made my wife think that maybe I was sick. 
<laughs> but right. we did breakfast at Topolino's Terrace, character breakfast, and it was delightful. Riviera. Yeah, Topolino's right. Terrace. Where did I say it? Where did I say? You didn't say anything. Oh, yeah. Right? You didn't. Oh, Topolino's <laughs> Terrace at Riviera Resort. Yeah. He was putting words in your yeah, mouth. Yeah, to- Topolino's <laughs> Terrace at Riviera. And best character breakfast on property, by far. Yeah. You get great interactions with the characters. The food was fantastic. I really enjoyed the resort. I thought it was wonderful. I thought it was lovely. The only downside was at one point my son was posing with Mickey and the t- guy from the table next to us came over and was like, hold that pose and took a picture of my son with Mickey. Uh, that's weird. And it was very odd. And we talked to the server who then talked to the manager. And at first they thought we were just like upset. Somebody took a picture across the restaurant of Mickey while our son was standing next to him, which I understand that, you know, people are taking pictures all the time. Mm. Like, no, he came over. They had already left at that point. But if you're one of our listeners, don't do that again. And I'm sorry, but I'm pretty sure you that person is now flagged because they're like, well, we have now we know who was sitting at that table and we will flag them and look to see if there's any other odd behavior. Yeah, that's really suspect. Like, Yeah, it was just like it was it like I know he wanted to picture Mickey, but he was like, hold that pose while my son is standing next to Mickey. Are you doing that's sir? creepy? Yeah, it's creepy. So other other than that weird incident, I thought it was great. Yeah. My take on Riviera is it's as nice as I thought it was going to be. We looked around. I said, I asked my wife, I was like, is this as nice as you expected? And she said, yeah, I really like this resort. And she was thinking about it. And I was like, okay, now that you've toured it, is it two <laughs> times better than Grand Destino? Because it's about twice the price. She's right. like, oh, no, no. No, exactly. Like if you compare those two side by side, it might be... Like, the tower itself is just as nice to me. The grounds are probably a little better at Riviera, right? Just the grounds are... Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I think I think I like the pool, you know, the way it's all laid out. It's just very elegant. But then at Coronado, if you get rid of sort of the convention center and you just consider the Three Bridges Bar and Grill and you consider the pool and you sort of condense right. that... It's just as nice. I don't know. It's, 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 it's to me, if I can get Grand Destino for half the price, I'll forego the Skyliner. That's the yeah. only thing that, that it's winning with, right? Yeah. You know, one thing I considered at Coronado, and this is non-tower that I'm talking about, like you can get a junior suite that has a decent amount of space, and you compare it to the price of, say, a deluxe room, and I'm like, I'm getting a better deal for this junior suite over at Coronado overall because of the size of the room I'm getting for the price of a deluxe room basically right. yeah it's all about <laughs> so, location in that point yeah you're paying for a better location with the deluxe but i don't think coronado is a bad location because we like to drive now i was not the proponent of driving around until i realized how much f- faster it really is doing the challenge and whatnot so um yeah i I had I, I never mind. had a problem driving once i started doing it so yeah, yeah. and i also have become spoiled from the challenge and that i at least for now, see most days the value in preferred parking because we do park hop and um, we do spend quite a bit of time in the parks. And at the end of the day, when you walk out and your car's right there, you're like, oh, that was worth it. (laughs) Yeah, at the end of the day, when you're tired, you're like, oh, it was totally worth it because I don't have to walk half as far or wait for a tram. I'm just walking straight to my car and I'm gone. 
in that area. Well, we need to wrap this episode up because it's the longest episode ever made yeah. by anyone. Um, this is our version of a marathon. This is the Irishman episode uh, length. Uh, do you want me to keep yeah. going at them so that it just no. gets longer? Uh, but to make it longer, I, I will mention quickly that I stayed at the Hilton Lake Buena Vista Palace, not the Lake Buena Vista and this is my first time staying there. I didn't like it as much. The parking situation isn't great there because the resort is on top of a hill and the parking lot is at the bottom of that hill. So they really want you to valet, obviously, because you don't have to walk down this giant hill to get to the parking lot. So that was not the best. And they do have a lazy river, but it was too cold for us to use it. So didn't get to try that, but I'll probably go back there if it's got a better rate. But the the Hilton, the other Hilton, the Lake Buena Vista one at Disney Springs is probably my preferred one. It's just a little bit easier to get in and out. The parking is easier. The hotel is not as massive, so it's not as hard to get to your room and so on. So I w- that's all I would say about that. I, I think the other Hilton's a little bit better. It's interesting you mentioned that about valet because um, at the guest house uh, at Graceland in the Memphis area where I stayed last weekend, it seems like they were, it wasn't like they were, I wouldn't say forcing valet or anything, but they were basically, they were encouraging it based on how much they had valet parking and where it was, yeah. you know, in comparison right. to the other parking. I feel like they were encouraging valet parking. It sounds like that's what they were doing there. Kind of, yeah. They kind of were like, hey, you know, it's the parking lot's way down there. You know, might want a valet. We'll bring your car for you. But, nah, anyway. So, and it's a big convention hotel. The other Hilton isn't as big as, I mean, it's still got a convention center, but this one is massive convention center. So, you know, that, that goes with it. But, anyway, so to wrap this episode up... <laughs> I will say that you can go to our website, which is travelingwithamouse.com, and find links to all of our outlets there. You can also email us, if you like, podcast at travelingwithamouse.com. And we have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash podcast. You can find us on social media, on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. That is all at TWTM Podcast. We have a Spreadshirt store in which you can get your exclusive TWTM merchandise that is shop.spreadshirt.com slash TWTM podcast so for John, Jason and myself this has been Traveling with the Mouse and we will see you on our next trip tune in next week for three hours of me explaining why the boarding group process is terrible a three it's a glorious three hour episode a three hour tour